me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. I will be back here. I will be back here. And I will be back. Welcome to 4th and Gold Podcast. We are back. We are back. A little long, you know, a little bit longer uh, break between episodes lately just because everything's kind of slow. But we do have a really good episode this today. We're going to get into some betting odds. Um, this is the 4th and Gold Podcast brought to you by Pro Football Network or powered by Pro Football Network. Uh, Matt, what's going on, buddy? Like you said, it's the offseason, bro. So we don't have a whole lot to talk about. <laughs> and, you know, we, we've had some Nashville news that we're going to get into. And Camp Jimmy has been kind of... A dumpster fire, uh, just for some of the injuries and stuff that have happened, and, and and a little COVID scare. So that's not great. Not exactly what you're looking for, but you know we're good. And and like you said, this is going to be a little bit of betting odds show, and and to help us break this stuff down because me and you are not professionals at this by any stretch of the imagination. No. And this is going to be just as just as informative for us as it is for for y'all listening at home. Um, it's we're we're joined by PFN betting and fantasy analyst. James Aguirre. James, how you doing, man? So, Matt, Javi, thanks for having me on. And I just want to add the uh, side note that I am also not a professional by any means. I just know more than someone else <laughs> should know about this who doesn't do it for a living. That's fair. Uh, yeah, I'm not much of a gambler, but uh, this is the Fourth and Go Podcast. Check us out on Twitter at Fourth and Go Podcast. Uh, subscribe, rate, review on all podcast platforms and networks. Um, James, the 49ers. Went thirteen and three last year, made it to a Super Bowl, and they have some pretty good odds going into this season. Let's walk us through some of these odds and what what to expect, you know, as a gambler or what to look for this this coming season if we have a season. Obviously, yeah, so I'll start off with a little, um, I guess, one on one type thing, and you can we act, our betting crew actually made some one on one articles on the website that you can go and look at that 
describe, you know, betting terms and lingo and how odds work and where you can place bets and all that kind of stuff. But the the one thing I want to emphasize today that hopefully your listeners will take away from this is how to properly look at and evaluate odds. So you'll see the most common number next to a a point spread. So let's say a sports book has the 49ers as three-point favorites against the Ravens at home. And you'll see a, a three-digit number next to that. It's normally minus 110. Uh, I, I don't know who decided to to um, talk about the minus 110 in terms of how much you have to bet to win $100, but that that's not what that means. What the what the minus one ten means is it's an an implied probability. So what that spread is saying is the 49ers will win by three points or more, fifty two point three eight percent of the time. Now you use that to determine whether or not you should make the bet. If you think the 49ers will win that game more than fifty two percent of the time, then you can justify placing a wager on it. If you think it's less, then maybe the Ravens are worth a look. So that that's the main thing I want to uh, drive home is how how to understand what um, odds are trying to tell you. Now, um, there's three there's three different types of bets for like you know during the regular season that that are the mainstays among um, among betters. They're uh, spread, which I just talked about. That's how much a team is favored to win or lose by a total which is just how many mm-hmm. points will be scored in the game and you bet over or under that amount and then um uh money line which is picking a winner that that's that's just another way for saying picking a winner so when you see when you oh, I'll, I'll touch on something else that may be confusing if you see a team favored by a half like three and a half uh th- that just means they have to win by four or more for you to win that bet. So if if you bet on mm-hmm. a team favored by three points and they win by three, you push the bet. You get your you get your money back. You don't win or lose anything. If you bet on a three and a half point favorite and they win by three, they don't cover. You lose your bet. So that that's all that means. Yeah, as the old saying, you know, good teams good teams win, great teams cover. Um, so. It's, it's really good information because I had no idea what the the minus one ten plus two sixty whatever those numbers are I had no idea what those meant so that's 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 a fantastic little breakdown um, but let's jump into the Niners specifically um, are there any uh, any specific bets that people can make you know kind of right now that you want to talk about yeah so I, I've written up their season win total and uh, I did another article on Garoppolo's MVP odds um, I I don't have a strong feeling for the win total i think the the number is a 10 and a half and that's available at pretty much every online offshore sports book that you uh, look at so what that means is the books are projecting them to win uh 10 10 and a half games which you can't win half game obviously so if you go over they have to win 11 <laughs> if you pick under they they can't win more than 10 um, the best odds you can get for that for the over is minus 120 at um, a couple of books here, FanDuel and MyBookie. For the under, the best odds are plus 100, which that's basically a 50-50 proposition. You see plus 100, that means 
If you bet $10, you'll get $20 back. If you win, then you make you make $10. Um, and yeah, I don't I don't have a strong feeling for their win total either way. On, on one hand, like from a from a betting perspective, it you always want to look to bet under stuff because one, it's it's way easier for something to not happen than it is to happen. Like you have to have a lot of things right uh, to go your way to win a game, whereas one or two mishaps could cause you to lose a game, right? So already you uh, it's easier to lose games than it is to win games in a sense. And two, as far as the betting, the win total market is concerned, uh, sports books there is 256 regular regular season games played in a year with a 17 week 16 game schedule, and sports books if you add up all the win totals they project over 256 wins. So that means they're overinflating the over market, and there's inherently value in betting unders huh. right there. So I I always lean under the bigger numbers because, like I said earlier, it takes everything to go right to win games, and one mishap could cause you to lose a game. And then you always want you always want to lean over the smaller numbers because it's just some. Um, it's very unlikely that any one team is that bad at any given year. Now it does happen, right? You have one in 15, two in 14 teams all the time. <laughs> but last year the Dolphins were like five and a half and they went over pretty easily towards the end of the year, if I might add. So you mm-hmm. never, you, you don't know what you don't know. Like we, uh, we overestimate our ability to judge, to judge uh, these teams, this sport in a, in a vacuum really. So you never want to be too overconfident in a in a, in a bet. So I, I always like to lean under the bigger numbers, lean over toward the smaller numbers. As far as the 49ers go, I would I I think the ten and a half is spot on. Like if if you look at their schedule, it's not it's not daunting by any means, but I wouldn't call it easy either. And that's especially when you take into account that the Cardinals should be better if Kyler Murray improves and they gave the 49ers fits last year. And the Rams still play the 49ers tough in one game, even though they uh, had one of the worst O-line, D-line matchups in the league. And then um, you have their out-of-conference, like their, their, their first-place game is against the Saints again in New Orleans, mm-hmm. which is great. And then the mm-hmm. other one is against the Packers. Now, the 49ers dominate the Packers, <laughs> but it's on a Thursday night after back-to-back road trip in New England at Seattle. So... That's a tough scheduling spot for that game. Yeah. So there's, I, I I've been thinking about it from a holistic point of view, and I say they can go four and two in the division, five and three against the two Eastern divisions, and then split the Saints and the um, the Packers, which would put them at a what is that, ten wins. So th- they they could go six and two against the Eastern divisions. They can go six no division. That's highly possible. I just think more more likely than not. They go a four and two, five and three, one and one split. That'll put them at ten and six. So I don't, I don't have a strong lean either way. Uh, so the 49ers win total is um is a pass. Yeah, that ten and a half is um, it's tempting to take take the over, but you know, like you said, it's it's best to bet the under. Um, the other the other one is a lot of people keep bringing up is the Jimmy G MVP odds and. Um, we'll get into this with Jimmy G. He lost his best receiver uh, this past week to a Jones fracture in his foot. How does that affect his MVP odds? That the the biggest 
way that's going to affect him winning the MVP is as far as his uh, counting stats go. So I, I went I went ahead and looked back to the last time a non-offensive player won the MVP award, and that was in 19, 1986. Lawrence Taylor won it for the Giants. Um, since then, it's been all quarterbacks and running backs. And the last time a running back won the award was 2012, when Adrian Peterson ran for 2,000 yards. And then if you look at the last running back before him, uh, Sean Alexander and Daniel Thompson were setting the the uh, all-time record for rushing touchdowns in a year. So it takes a very it takes mm-hmm. a record-breaking year for a, a running back to win it. Otherwise, the smart money is on the quarterbacks. Yeah. Now I I went ahead and looked at three stat categories where the quarterbacks finished that year, and then I looked at uh, how their teams did, and I found I found two things: uh, betters like winning teams, and they like passing touchdowns. Um, if we go back to just 2010. You had um, four four MVP winners lead the league in touchdowns, and two more finish in second. And no no team won less than only one team won won less than eleven games. That was a uh, twenty sixteen Falcons Matt Ryan, who had a record setting year with uh, Kyle Shanahan. So the the way Debo Samuel will affect Jimmy Garoppolo is uh, in passing touchdowns because if you look at uh, some mm-hmm. advanced metrics. Uh, PFN's OSM had had a Debo Samuel as a wide receiver two on the year, meaning he was very responsible for his own production. In in layman's terms, uh, our data lab guys can describe it way better than I can. And then uh, another website I like to use, airyards.com by Josh Hernsmeyer. He uh, at Frisco Josh on Twitter. He he me- he made a a metric that measures receiver efficiency. And among receivers with 80 targets, Debo was number one in uh, efficiency on his targets. So he was, he was, all signs were pointing up towards Debo having a breakout second year. And without him, now you have a big hole in the receiver core, right? Like, we, we, we all um, love these guys from a team level standpoint, but no, no one's going to be able to replace what he brought. You know, Ayuk is still a rookie. Heard missed all year last year. Uh, Trent Taylor is more of a, a slot guy, in my opinion. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. Uh, Kendrick Bourne isn't a number one. Um, Richie James also had an injury in what you called a disaster in the Nashville. So I think <laughs> losing Debo Samuel makes me less excited to bet Garoppolo from an MVP standpoint because now I'm not sure he'll get the passing touchdowns to uh, to pay off that bet. But um, the reason why I liked him before was... Um, I, I went ahead and looked at, because everyone always says that defenses regress year to year, right? Like they're unpredictable. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I went ahead and looked yep. at Football Outsiders adjusted sack rate metric since, uh, I can't remember when I looked back at it. It might have been 2008 or nine, But I looked at every team that had a 9% adjusted sack rate, how they did the next year, and like over half of them regressed by 2% the next year. And it's easy to spot that regression yeah. with the Niners because they replaced DeForest Buckner with a rookie. And, you know, I, I love Javon Kinlaw, but mm-hmm. he's not going to be as good as DeForest Buckner is going to be this year. And then you look at the secondary, they were historically terrible in 2018. And in 2019, they were a top yep. three unit, I believe. So their, their true talent level is probably mm-hmm. somewhere in the middle. Like I know Richard Sherman has been playing great. great. Uh, I know Jimmy Ward is a very good safety. But um, Quan Williams, I think his ceiling is kind of capped, and Witherspoon is the reason the Vikings had any points in the uh, 
wild card game. So you can spot some, you can spot you can spot some potential <laughs> holes in that secondary. So if the pass rush isn't what it is, that's going to affect the secondary. Teams are going to move a ball on them, and that means the 49ers have to put up more points. So that that's why I liked. That's why I like yeah. Garoppolo to go over his uh, to to put up some some better numbers this year than he did last year. And the second thing I want to touch on before I kick it back to you guys was um. His his uh, odds to win the MVP, I gave out the number at fifty to one on DraftKings, and now it's it's brought it's been brought down to forty to one. So meaning, if you bet ten dollars on fifty to one, you would get back five hundred and ten dollars if he wins it, which is pretty nice, you know. Ten bucks, what what is ten dollars? But um, he was fit he he was fifty, <laughs> right? 50 to one to win the MVP despite the 49ers being favored to win the division and being like a, a minus 400 favorite to make the playoffs. And you go back earlier, I mentioned yeah. how voters love teams who win, right? Uh, no team, no MVP winner has missed the playoffs since uh, 86. In fact, I I don't think any MVP winner has ever missed the postseason. I didn't go back that far, but I would just be willing to bet that. So you got, you got the 49ers yeah. who... I don't want to bet the under on them because they have a very good roster. They have an above-average quarterback, and they have a very good head coach. So th- they are a very, very good team. But, um, shoot, where, where, where was I going? <laughs> they, they have a very good team. I think they're going to win a lot of games. It's just I, I'm less excited bet, to bet Garoppolo for MVP now because of the loss of Debo Samuel. I don't know if we'll have the passing touchdowns to get there. So if you're looking to bet – yeah, thirty yeah. to one, thirty-five to one. Now that it's available at some books, I, I, I don't know if I'm too excited about that anymore. Because even though I'm optimistic, Debo can be back for the start of regular season. It's probably in their best interest to keep him um, sidelined until he's 100 percent healthy, which means he'll miss a yeah, couple absolutely. games. You know, potentially a couple games. Yeah, if you look at the 49ers' schedule and if Debo misses, let's say, the first two or three games, I'm not super concerned. That's the probably the lightest part of their whole schedule. So I don't really mind if he misses those games. Obviously, you don't want him to miss any, but I think you're absolutely right. I think the 49ers take this one slow. I think they bring Debo along and let him heal properly because uh, Matt Mayoko had his own pod that came out. And, and, and Javi, I know you were going deep into this on Twitter, and it was coming from a bunch of different... <laughs> Doctors and surgeons on Twitter that were saying that most of these injuries that come from from the Jones injury come from trying to rush it back and, and not letting it yeah. properly heal. So you know that's that's not something we want to see. Um, I got my money in early on Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, I got my ten dollars in because, like you said, what's ten dollars, right? So I got my ten dollars on the fifty to one odds because if it pays five hundred bucks, then you know I can treat my uh, wife to a nice dinner. And we can toast to Jimmy G, which my wife would love to do because she loves the way he looks. Um, you know, I, I think the Jimmy for MVP odds are are interesting, and it's something me and Javi have talked about a lot. Is we don't want Jimmy Garoppolo to win the MVP. We don't want I'm him to win MVP. So against it, MVPs don't win Super Bowls. MVPs. I think the last one was Kurt Warner for the Rams. Was the last MVP yeah, yeah. and Super Bowl winner in the same year. It's. It's like a curse, and I, you know, when when it stood out to me the most is when uh, Tom Brady won won the MVP, and then he loses the Super Bowl. Like they kept bringing it up, like the MVP just consistently loses the Super Bowl if they make it that that far. Mahomes won um, two years ago; he loses in the NFC Championship game. Lamar won the MVP last year; he loses in the divisional round. You know, it's just, it's just, it's weird. It's just a weird thing. I don't, I hope. 
you know, it'd be great for the Niners to have an MVP winning quarterback, but I'd rather have a Super Bowl winning quarterback as opposed yeah. to an MVP quarterback, if that makes sense. Um, with the Debo stuff, I'm, I'm with you guys too. I, I don't I don't want to rush him back. I don't think there's a need to rush him back. The Niners went 8-0 last year to start the season without Emmanuel Sanders. Or, I'm sorry, they were 7-0 without Emmanuel Sanders. Or was mm-hmm. it 6-0? and Yeah, 6-0 and because they won the seventh game against the, the, the Panthers and they won against the uh, the Cardinals after that. But they, I think they have enough at wide receiver just to get them through that first four or five weeks. And I'm okay with Debo playing, you know, 11, 12 games as opposed to the full 16 season, if 16 game season, if that, you know, that, that longer recovery time is necessary. Uh, the Jones fracture, doing some reading, listening to some other podcasts, you know, it's, it, I've misquoted the person uh, who said it on their podcast. He, he said 50% of the time, um, it doesn't heal in the time frame that's been allotted. So with the Niners or with Debo saying 10 weeks, we can expect he may not be back within those 10 weeks just because of the healing process doesn't it doesn't take the way it's supposed to you have sometimes infections you have sometimes therapy isn't the way it should go there's there's a lot of factors in there um will he make a full recovery absolutely you know is this a trent taylor case let's hope not because trent taylor still hasn't been cleared to run routes from what i understand this week uh in nashville he wasn't actually running routes with the guys he was just out there you know tossing the ball around just to be around the guys so there was some conflicting reports there on trent taylor still after you know almost a year from his initial injury um so with debo i think him being back I say just take your time. There's no rush because the Niners start off with the Cardinals. I think we can win week one. The Jets and the Giants on the road. Those two teams don't scare me. And then the Monday night game against the Eagles. You know, we, we talked about it last year. Start fast. So they can start 3-1, and 4-0. You know, it gives you it gives you time to slow down, you know, or keep a really good eye on Debo because Debo seems to be the future of this wide receiving group. Um, we still have Brandon Ayuk. Jalen Hurd has been cleared. Um, Kendrick Bourne looks to be in great shape. And then, of course, Juwan Jennings. Um, and then a number of other guys that have, have showed some promise. And then the Niners still have a really strong run game, and then there's this guy named George Kittle on the team that can catch passes. So I think the Niners will be just fine going into that um, early part of the season if Debo is not playing. Um, let's, with, let's talk about that with the receiving group. Uh, George Kittle, his odds on this season where where are they at and what's what's a good no, um, number to bet on with george yeah so I, I searched some sports books looking for all niners uh you know passing not passing receiving or rushing props and i only found george kill receiving yards as something you can bet on at the moment uh his receiving yards are set at 1075 on my book he has 1075 and a mm. half the the bovada has 1075 and the over under is set at minus one fifteen at Bovada and minus one twenty at my bookie. Either way, so they're um. If if I think Garoppolo is gonna have to throw more, then I would lean to the over on that. I think he had a thousand and fifty yards last season, if I remember correctly. So there's a there's a twenty five. I don't even know if you can call it inflation. Twenty five yards over the course of the season is nothing. But um, what I what I really wanted to do was bet mm-hmm. the over on his receiving touchdowns, because I feel like he's underperforming the touchdown department the past two seasons, despite having a very large amount of receiving yards, especially yards after the catch, because he's just so explosive, you know. And Shanahan's really good at scheming him open. 
But um, I, I, that's the bet I would want is Kittle over receiving touchdowns, but it's not available anywhere. So I can't, I can't give you any numbers or anything. As far as the receiving <laughs> yards, I would lean over, but again, there's you have to have everything go right for an over to hit. Whereas if Kittle it blows out his knee week one, you win your under bet. As as much as that sucks to say, it's, it's true. So I, I'm 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 staying away from the receiving yards prop on a George Kittle. Okay. Okay. First off, if you ever say George Kittle blows out his knee week one on this podcast, I just knocked again, on wood. Okay, I just knocked on wood. <laughs> I'm gonna jump. I'm gonna. I'm gonna jump through the microphone, man. No. Uh. Yeah. So George Kittle last year did have 1,053 yards receiving in 14 games. Um. Obviously played the the short game in in Arizona on Halloween, where he just went beast mode and and, and crushed everybody before leaving with an injury. Um, I think 1,075 is about right. I think Vegas uh, has this one pretty well nailed down. Uh, better weapons on the outside across the board for the 49ers, but if Debo's going to be you know, a little delayed in coming back, George Kittle is still receiving option number one. He's receiving option number one, whether he wants to catch the ball or not or if he just wants to pound people in the dirt and, and watch their soul leave their body. You know, hey. I just think he is receiving option number one, and I, I would be willing to bet the over on this. Now, I'm not putting my own money down. I'm not putting my own money down like I did with Jimmy on the MVP, but I, I would if I was to. I only have so much. Man, I'm married. I only got so much money to work with. You know, um, My betting money is, is limited. Um, but if I was to bet on this one, I would take the over just because George Kittle, I feel like once every three or four games is good for like a 70-yard play which just eats up a nice chunk of that overall total. Yeah, there's um, there, there's two things going in your favor, Matt. Uh, Kittle actually led the all tight ends in the league in target share at 28%, which is absurd. Uh, he, was, he was like, I think, mm-hmm. fourth or fifth in, the, in, the, in all of NFL receivers as well in target share at 28%. And if, Kitt, if Debo's going to miss extended period of time, he's going to, He's gonna get a lot of targets, so that that'll that that helps his over prospects. And then the other uh, thing that helps it is the 49ers throwing more because of the those things I outlined earlier. Right, right. Well, hopefully they throw more um, because Kyle just wants to keep running the ball. <laughs> uh, which is I'm okay with, uh, you know. Sometimes it is best just to stick with what your your strengths are. But I don't, you know, you need you need to see a little bit more from Jimmy Garoppolo in the passing game. So you got to give him a little bit more attempts. Um, there was a really weird stat here. George Kittle ran 213 fewer pass routes than Travis Kelsey last season, and 205 fewer passes fewer than Zach Ertz, and he still outscored Zach Ertz while producing 87, 87.5% of Kelsey's fantasy output. Like, Kittle, Kittle's usage is insane. Um, and, it's, you know, while it's lacking from Kittle, it's the touchdowns. Those touchdown numbers need to go up for his how, how high his usage rate is um, and just who he is as a, as a receiver. You know, we've had Vernon Davis on the 49ers. He's scored 13 touchdowns twice in his career. You know, Kittle has the ability to do that, and that's that's what I'm hoping for. If that, if that problem... Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? 
I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Comes up, I would probably smash the over five if, if Kittle, for Kittle's touchdowns, if Debo isn't gonna play the first four weeks. I don't see a matchup on the in those first four games that will that actually hurt George Kittle, you know, in defense like the Jets, yeah, Jamal Adams, but I think Kittle Kyle can scheme Kittle away from Jamal unless Jamal decides to leave for Dallas. The Giants don't have any safeties that worry worry me and then the Eagles, I don't I'm not worried about their secondary one bit outside of Darius Slay. So it's those first four weeks could be a really prime opportunity for Kittle to, you know, just get four right there. If we remember, he had two get he had like three or four get called back this past season. So the number for mm-hmm. Kittle's TDs should be over five, and if that's a prop that comes up, I would smash the over on Kittle, and I would actually put some money on that one. <laughs> yeah, he was he was the tight end. Yeah, the touchdown numbers is. Sorry, go ahead, Matt. Go ahead, James. What you got, man? I was gonna say what you got. He was the tight end three in fantasy, despite having a lower touchdowns than he should despite being on a run heavy offense and he um oh my god I'm sorry my, my brain is fried I had something to say and I forgot oh <laughs> I think he had I think he led all tight ends in yak by like 200 I think the second closest was Darren Waller if I remember correctly yeah. he had over 600 yards after the catch so he's explosive he he's going to lead his team in targets and he's very good so it's I mean, go ahead and bet his over-receiving yards. I, it's just not uh, stuff I like. I look to bet normally, but I don't. I don't have any problems going over on that. Yeah, the Shanahan's offense is all predicated on just get George Kittle the ball in space and just just let the man do his thing, like we saw against the Saints when he dragged three Saints for 15 yards and, and also drew the penalty. Um, you know, you can go through George Kittle's career and you can just look at all these different plays where they just. The Denver game where he had 210 yards receiving in the first half. Uh, the Chargers uh, in 2018 as well when he just went 85 yards to the house and just smoke-checked everybody, including the safeties. Um, George Kittle is that guy, and he can do that. So, again, that's why I'm comfortable betting the over, just because those big chunk plays. I mean, they just – five or six of them over the course of the year, it's going to eat up so many yards alone. And, and with all his yards after catch and knowing how Shanahan likes to scheme, it just – I don't want to say it seems like an easy bet – but it seems like I feel more confident in that than the Jimmy MVP. Yeah, you're already learning. There's no easy bets in betting. <laughs> that is for sure. That is for sure. Um, so, have you, did did the odds come out yet for Super Bowl champs for for 2021? And you know, if so, where are the Niners at on that list? Are they like high towards the top of the league, or are they kind of in the middle? You know, with the Super Bowl hangover yeah, kind of looming. Yeah, give me a second. I'll give you their exact number. They're they're like third or fourth to favorites to win the Super Bowl. They're I'm pretty sure they're eight to one. Uh, just let me. I I didn't I didn't write it down because I didn't I wasn't going to talk about it because eight to one is too short to bet a to bet a, a Super Bowl champion. I yeah, so my bookie has them at plus eight fifty. So yeah, you're right on. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's uh, I don't. I I know I have a MVP article coming out with four other candidates, and my favorite is Russell Wilson at ten to one, and I don't feel great about it, but I just have a I just have a really <laughs> strong feeling that he's gonna get the media narrative. He's always put up the stats, and his team's just gonna win games. But other than that, I don't like betting short futures. So 
like like a eight to one to win the Super Bowl. I that's just it, it's not enough value, you know. And I'll actually I'll I'll go off into mm-hmm. a tangent on a on Super Bowl odds. So theoretically, <laughs> uh, how, how I told you earlier, odds represent implied probability. Um, it should add up to one hundred percent if you do all thirty two teams, but it doesn't. Uh, this market is also inflated. It's going to add up to over 100% implied probability if you add up all 32 teams' odds. Now, there, there's there's a caveat, though, that you can probably eliminate 20 teams before the season starts as to who is actually a Super Bowl contender. So yeah. if, you, uh, if yeah. you look at, I don't know, the top 10 teams in odds, I, I haven't done the math, but that's probably less than 100%. But um, j- just like the win total market, is over projecting wins, Super Bowl market, uh, MVP market, all of these, all these uh, futures markets, they're all over projecting um, implied probability in the event actually happening. It's all over 100%. But the thing is, if you know what to look for, you can eliminate. Sometimes you can eliminate half the field right off the bat, and that'll sort of even your stance against the sports books. Like for MVP, you can get rid of all running backs and defensive players and nail down to 32 players whereas you can probably bet close to like 80 players to win the MVP right so you're eliminating potentially half the field right there just by going off a criteria that you can you can look up yourself and see yeah the, the sports books know what they're doing they uh they, they, they know exactly what, what what they're doing that it's why they stay in a bit stay in business and it's why we we love to talk about it and bet on it because people bet they lose sports books make money and the cycle keeps on going. <laughs> yeah, Vegas knows, and I, I didn't. I don't really pay attention to too much betting, just because I don't like the extra stress of the uh, me putting money down, and then of course I'm a spaz during game days. But I started watching the betting lines towards the end of the season, um, and I would text Matt before the games. I'd be like, "Hey, this is what the spread is," and then the final out- the outcome of the game would be spot on, and I'm like. What in the world is going on here? So Vegas knows what they're doing, or just these sport books know what they're doing. Um, James, so you are a Niners fan, yes, correct? I, they've been my team my whole life. Okay. I took a break following football for a couple of years, but uh, I've always stuck with the Niners, even during the Alex Smith, Mike Singletary years. That That's actually the, the part I We call those the dark ages. That's, that's actually the, the part where I didn't really watch heavily. Not because they suck, just because I... Mm-hmm. You know, you get into other stuff throughout your life. So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I know um, high school for me wasn't great time to watch. I was trying to do my best, but I was so pulled in 18 different directions. So that was, you know, right around that same time, maybe a little bit before that, more of the Dennis Erickson era was when I was in high school and everything was getting – I had other priorities, jobs and such that I was like, well, if I don't see the 49ers game today – um, it's not gonna be so bad. Also, you know, back then it was it was so hard to watch games. If you didn't have Sunday ticket, it was almost impossible to get you know Forty ers games in Virginia. So yeah, it was super tough for me. So uh, James, outside of all the betting stuff, how do you how do you how do you feel about this Forty ers team going forward? Like, just take away all the betting stuff that you know, and you being a fan, what do you expect from this team into this season? Do you expect them to return to the Super Bowl? Are you excited about this year? Is there anything that concerns you? going forward on this 49ers team? Um, well, the concern I have is maybe I think, may, maybe Garoppolo isn't as good as I think he is. 
Like I think he's a top ten quarterback in the mm-hmm. league, and uh, it, it's hard for me. It's hard for me to detach what I've learned from betting to real football because one of the things I've learned from betting is, and I mean real football. You know, this applies to real football as well. You don't have to make a single bet in your life to realize this, but the quarterback is everything, right? So if you if you right, take yeah. away Jimmy Garoppolo, replace him with a um, Nathan Peterman tomorrow. The 49ers are a four-win team, you know. Yeah. So my 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 only fear is maybe Grubble isn't as good as he think as I think he is, and they'll just never win a Super Bowl with him. But outside of that, uh, no, they're I they're a very good team. They have a they got talent all over the place. The, the roster is incredible. The head coach is extremely good. The front office has been well run. Like, uh, do you guys listen to John Milkoff and uh, Guy Haberman? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah they, love uh, middle class. I, I, love, I love him too. He's awesome. Uh, they, they mentioned leaks, right? During the bulky era, you had a shit ton of leaks, right? Um, since yeah. Lynch and Shannon yeah. took over, you you don't get anything. Which, I mean, it's it's why our Dolphins colleagues should be excited as well because you never hear anything out of Miami either, really, for the most part. You know, it's just a well-run organization. They they understand draft value. Uh, they they know when to give up they understand player value too as we saw with uh, DeForest Buckner you know and uh, Shanahan isn't the yep. mean dictator that some thought he would he could be when he first came here because he he, uh, he listens to John Lynch you know I'm trying to think of a, an example that shows that um, shoot I'm, I'm, I'm trying a blank you guys want to Give me a hand. Can you can you think of an example when John Lynch, when like no, Shanahan, has you know maybe wanted something, but Lynch stepped in and said, "No, nah, we we should do this instead." I I can't think of the example I, I have. I'm I think... Sorry, Mike. Having a hard time remembering. <laughs> no, you're fine. I think I think you're 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 right on. You're right on. And I think me and Matt have talked about it a lot. They're just they're in lockstep. You know, they have their disagreements behind closed doors. Those things don't leave those doors or that room. Um, they provide a united front in front of the media. And then if they have to, you know, be honest about something, they're going to say it. And sometimes they're not going to be completely honest because they, they're, they're trying to set something else up, kind of like we saw during the draft. of, Oh, yep. yeah, we expect Joe Staley to be back. And then, boom, he's retired, and we just traded for Trent Williams out of nowhere. No one saw it coming. It just happened. Um, and you know, the same thing with the Brandon Ayuk stuff, they kept that stuff on the wraps real quiet, low key and boom, trade up, go get Brandon Ayuk. So, um, I'm there with you on the front office and uh, me and Matt have agreed, talked about it a lot throughout the, this whole time on the pod, you know, this over a year, year and a half worth of podcasting. <laughs> um, yeah. these two, they're just in lockstep and yeah, you know, I think the one is like the Kirk Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo thing. You know, John was like, just let me know when you want me to sign him. Just let me know when you want me to sign him. And then Kyle was like, not yet, not yet, not yet. And then, boom, you know, after the Titans game, he said, hey, let's get this thing going. Let's let's get the ball rolling on this. So they've worked together, and I think you're absolutely right. There's no leaks. It's real quiet. And for our, you know, PFN has a large uh, Dolphin contingent. <laughs> um, they should be excited about Flores and keeping things quiet down there in Miami as well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah, I think what we saw from John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, especially in the first draft, was a very disjointed draft. The 2017 draft, we had Solomon Thomas and Reuben Foster taken in the first round, which felt very much like Lynch picks. 
And then you got later on C.J. Beathard, Joe Williams, which felt very much like Shanahan picks. And I feel like the two of them came together and learned from that draft and realized they're going to have to use each other as a sounding board and, and get together because when they're drafting individual players that they love and that they want, it won't necessarily work out for the whole team. Uh, and we've seen them draft much better since since that first draft. I mean, but even that first draft, it netted them DJ Jones, it netted them George Kittle, it netted them you know Trent Taylor, who has shown flashes of being really good, and hopefully he can return to that slot receiver third down machine. And then of course you're talking about Kendrick Bourne coming in that draft. Matt Matt Brady also came in that draft for the undrafted free agent pool. Uh, they got a lot of talent out of that group, despite whiffing on so many high picks there. And it's just nice to see them working together really, really well. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll add to that first drive. They did have Ruben Foster, right? And if it weren't for his off-field instance, he, he could be the best linebacker in the game today. It's just a, you know, a swing and a miss by them. He, I think he fell because of injury concerns and character concerns. Right, they they took a shot, they missed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now you don't mm-hmm. you don't really see them bringing in a questionable character anymore since then. It's kind of like they learned their lesson. And uh, you you say they kind of feel like they were playing hot potato with the draft picks their first time. Like you take these two, I'll take these two, and then we don't really see that anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's a good sign that they they're learning from their mistakes. They're learning on the job because you're not going to be perfect the first time you start. So to to answer your uh, question, no, I don't have any. Worries from an organizational standpoint, I think they're they're, they're one of the best run organizations today in in the NFL. Uh, if we shift to on the field, aside from Garoppolo, um, I, I know Shanahan's scheme mitigates uh, offensive line talent, but the, the interior is still somewhat of a liability without Weston Richburg, who uh, he got hurt last year. Before that, like, he's playing pretty well, but um, the the guards could could use some improvement, yeah. and then uh. The um, obviously the receivers outside of Debo leaves the hole if Debo's in playing, and um, the uh, the the second the corner spot opposite of Sherman. If Witherspoon is the Witherspoon that we saw the second half of the year, that's going to be a liability as well. Yeah, we're I'm still hopeful with Witherspoon just because. Like, he has all the talent. He has all the height, weight, speed. He has all the talent. He's always in position. He just never makes the play, and that's the frustrating part with Witherspoon. We mm-hmm. saw in the first part of the season, um, he was making the play. He was, you know, putting the clamps down on certain individuals, and then he obviously had a pick six against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He nearly had another pick six against the Bengals. He put the clamps on Devontae Adams. Anyone who goes back and watches that Thursday, that Sunday night football game against Green Bay, watch the tape. Adams wasn't going anywhere when Spoon was out there. It was locked down. He just locked him up all game, the rest of the game. Uh, now, you could say that was a pass rush and everything else like that, but if you really watch uh, Kello, he, he's got the skills. It's just there's a mental block there. There's a confidence issue going on, and uh, it's frustrating, but hopefully he's got that fixed up. But like you said, James, it, it, it's, uh, it is a concern. Uh, on the other side of Sherman, something happens to Sherman, we are in for a, a potentially long season if we can't get the cornerback position situated. Um, I know they have hope for Jason Verrett, Tim Harris, the guy they drafted out of Virginia the year, last year, um, and then, of course, the kid AC from Mizzou uh, that they got as an undrafted free agent should, um, should be a player. I think both Matt and I, like what he brings to the table. Hopefully he can make the team as an undrafted yep. free agent. So they, they have some options, but 
Uh, I'm. I think you hit it on the you hit it on the spot there. Me and Matt both have concerns with the interior line and the secondary, and then of course this Debo news does not help the uh, offensive uh, group. <laughs> <laughs> so there's some there's some questions, but I think the team has enough to uh, to get that ten wins, maybe a little bit more than ten wins, and and get a deep playoff run again. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. Hey, James, this was a ton of fun, man. We really appreciate you coming on and breaking down all this betting stuff. It's made me smarter. It made Javi smarter. Um, you know, it's going to hopefully help our listeners. Uh, so please, you know, let let the folks know where they can find you, where they can find your work, where they can find you on Twitter, Instagram, whatever it is. Yeah, can, can I go off on one more betting tangent before, uh, before we head out of here? Please. Yeah, go ahead. Yes, go ahead. Please, <laughs> go for it. I just wanted to, to – to, um, relate to the listeners what to look for if you're looking to bet this win total market on your own. Um, there, there's a couple things. If, if you Google uh, Pythag- football outsiders Pythagorean wins, you'll get a table which is basically expected wins based on how many points you scored and allowed. It doesn't factor in when those points were scored or how they were scored. It, it, just, it, it just sees it, it sees if you won a game 35 to 7, and lost the game thirty-five to seven. You, uh, it, it sees you as a zero-point differential. You know, it doesn't. It doesn't know that you won one game in a blowout mm-hmm. and lost another game in a blowout. So, a metric like that is how we can see that the Seahawks and the Packers should not have been as good as they were last year. Now, there, there's, um, there's different reasons why teams outperform their expected win total and underperform it year to year. But um, if you're looking to bet the the win total market on your own, that's a good place to start to see, like, I guess how good a team really was. Because if I remember correctly, the year the year the 49ers won four games, um, they had a Pythagorean win total of eight. So they underperformed their win total by four games, and they they lost a couple of mm-hmm. nail biters. You know, as a as a pretty lackluster roster. But that, that, that's the first part to determine, like, how good a team actually was. Look at the Pythagorean win total compared to their actual wins, and you can see who overperformed and underperformed. Um, if you want, I'll, I'll look this up while I get into my second um, point. The second thing is you look at record and one-score games. Uh, normally, teams go 500 in these games, but um, any team that severely underperforms or overperforms in that area is bound to regress the following year. So let me just look this up real quick. One second. Okay. Yeah, so if you want to look at, if you want to, if you want to know the teams who overperformed the Pythagorean wins the most from last season, uh, Green Bay, Seattle, Houston, and New Orleans all won two or more games than they, quote, should have last year. If you want to look at the teams who underperformed mm-hmm. by the most, uh, Cincinnati, the Chargers, the Cowboys, and the Lions all won uh, two games less than they were, quote, supposed to win last year, with the Cowboys and the Lions being 2.9 and the Chargers being 2.8. So essentially three games, underperformed by three games. And then if you want to look at what team should regress from a um, one-score game perspective, you have the – oh, shoot, let me sort this the other way, sorry. This is great. This is more ammo for me to give to the Packers All right, fans. All right, so, so check this out. Green Bay was 8-1 and one in one-score games. Seattle was 11-3. and three. Houston was 9-2. and two. 
<laughs> New Orleans was seven and two. <laughs> the Raiders were seven and three, which is remarkable because they were seven and three in one score games. And oh, look at that! They were seven and nine. All their wins came in one score games. That's fascinating. <laughs> I, I I just I, I like to compile these numbers and just look through them and see like like shit like that. You know, like all of the Raiders' wins came in one score games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, if you want to see who underperformed by the most, it's it's most likely the same teams that underperformed their Pythagorean wins. So you got a Detroit was three and eight in one score games, and that's with Stafford missing half the year. Um, the Cowboys were one and six. The Chargers were two and nine. The Bengals were zero oh and eight. They did not win a single one score game last year. <laughs> as, wow. as expected. Wow. Yeah. And then uh, the Forty Nine ers were five and three, so they over overperformed a little bit. But uh, that I mean, if you take away one win, okay, you still get. Uh, 12 and 4 which is what their Pythagorean wins were uh, they were they were quote they were supposed to be a 12 and 4 team uh, quote unquote so uh, so they overperformed by one yeah, game yeah overperformed by one game so if, if you look at a team's Pythagorean win total you look at their record in one score games that'll give you a, a, a road map to you know what teams should regress and progress going forward it's what I. It's it's the main I'm gonna, basis. I'm gonna add that to my. Yeah, it, it's it's the main basis for what I use for win totals, and it's it's been a tried and true method for years now. There's a there's a betting podcast called uh, Deep Dive, uh, with um, Whale Capper on on Twitter. He's like Whale Capper, and then uh, Andy MSFW is the other Twitter handle for the other guy Andy, and there two episodes ago they did um. It was either two episodes ago or the most recent episode. They did a dive into the win total market, and they say the exact same thing. Like, if you just blindly bet the teams who underperform their Pythagorean wins and overperform the Pythagorean wins the most, you'd be profitable for the past, like, 10 or 20 years, I believe. That's not how betting is supposed to work. You, You can't just take one metric and blindly bet it. But this one metric has been profitable. Like, even, even if they only... Even even if like let's take the Packers for example, they were a nine win team last year according to Pythagorean wins, yet they finished thirteen and three, but their win total is nine and a half. So really, the the books are are placing this hmm. into the number. Like they know they weren't, they're not ten or eleven like the Ravens and the Chiefs and the Niners. They're they're a nine nine and a half win team, as uh, projected by the sports books. And yet, if you bet the under, they're they're probably going to go seven and nine this year, and you'll win that bet by two wins. Oh, that's the third thing I wanted to do. Look for alternate win totals because when you do hit <laughs> on a win total, they they tend to hit like by by several games. So I know Javi, you said earlier like Vegas always knows. Well, they know probably like fifty percent of the time what the actual uh, exact outcome will be. The other time, especially in this win total market, if you get yeah. a team to go over, they go over by several games, and the same is true for the under. Now, unfortunately, sports. I, I've I've looked. The only sports book I see that offers alternate win totals is FanDuel. So, if you don't live in Pennsylvania or New Jersey, I believe you can't you can't take alternate win totals. Maybe they open up uh, as the season approaches, but um, as of right now, that's the only place you can bet an alternate win total. But I actually I, I gave out um, the Packers alternate win total under eight and a half at plus one hundred five because um. I do think they're gonna. I do think there's a chance to go under, and at plus money, it has to happen less than fifty percent of the time to be profitable. So that that's um 
Mm. That's something you want to look forward to. You want to look for as well. Getting alternate numbers at plus odds. Because in the long run, you have to be right less to be profitable. So if you're, you, you can be a 60% uh, better, right? You can hit on 60% of your bets. But if you're taking 70% implied probability in all of your bets, you're losing better. Uh, on the flip side, you could be uh, 45% better, right? You could win 45% of your bets. But if you're taking 40% implied probability, you're winning better. So even though your record is less than 500, you're actually a winning better as opposed to the other guy who's taking 70% implied probability and only hitting 60% of the time. Does it, I hope that made sense. I didn't lose you guys. <laughs> no, it made sense. <laughs> no. no, you're fine. That's uh, very helpful and also helpful for me to uh, talk extra shit to Packer fans about their uh, win totals and how not good they were last year as I kept saying but no one wanted to believe me um but no that's perfect um but yeah james man that was great you know the information here is is, it's it's good it's it is useful especially for someone like myself who doesn't bet very often matt is a degenerate he bets a lot um what (laughs) (laughs) um but we appreciate you coming on today let the folks know where they can find you on twitter uh instagram whatever you have and then of course um Shout out to all the guys at PFN for uh, you know keeping us all together and doing all these betting stuff through through the Slack channel, keeping me up to date too. Yeah, so um, follow the PFN Bets account on Twitter at PFN Bets. That's that's our handle, and then I'm on Twitter at James underscore AG one. Uh, I've had multiple handles throughout my Twitter time, so that's why there's several characters after my name. <laughs> but yeah, that that's my Twitter handle. You can follow me there. You can find <laughs> all of my all of my tweets and I tweet out my work and other stuff as well. I bash on the MLB for not playing this year. <laughs> well, they are going to play as of, as of 10 minutes ago, they've approved the 60 game thing. So July 1st is the date for baseball. So if you're a baseball fan, get ready. Hopefully they'll be playing baseball. Um, but that should, <laughs> that should do it for today. We'll be back later on next week. Um, we got some more stuff coming with the fourth and gold podcast. I'm Javi. That is Matt. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Javier vague underscore. Follow my guy, Matt here at Matt bar underscore. And then of course, go ahead and hit the subscribe button, uh, at the fourth and gold podcast, wherever your podcasts are found. Um, hit us up on Twitter. We're always here to engage and talk to you guys. We do appreciate you guys listening until next week. Go Niners. Peace. Look in your home, look in your office, look in your home office. Everywhere you turn, there's so much smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart too. Our game-changing FlexPath format puts you in control of your master's degree, so you can learn how, when, and where you want. Smart, huh? Yeah, we think so too. So if you want to take the next step in your career, make Capella your first step. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous walrus. The bulbous walrus. The name your price tool. Only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.